again, church. Hey, once you're going to take out your bulletins, a little note card that we pass out to you on the way in. And I'm sure you've already heard it several times this morning, but I just want to take a moment and do a small group plug again. Um, that is the way how you prepare for small groups is by taking notes in church on Sunday. And then you go to your small group and then you discuss the passage that we're in on a deeper level, use it to help keep each other accountable, to encourage each other, to pray for one another. So if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. There's still time to sign up for one. You can find Pastor Brian or go online or someone has invited you and you're like, I'm not going to go with them. Maybe it's time to say yes. There's only six weeks left in the small group season. So again, we encourage everyone to be a part of a small group. And then I also want to encourage you as well to go in and grab, take out your Bible, digital or analog. And then if you don't have a paper Bible, again, I love digital Bibles. However you get the word of God, I'm good with. But if you want to have like a good old analog paper Bible, you don't have one, in the seats around you, we actually have these little Bibles down there that you can utilize. And if you don't have one, if you need one, hey, that is our gift to you. You can literally take one with you, okay? Now, don't be taking them and selling them to somebody else. This is a gift if you need one, you can have the word of God, all right? All right, so Bible, take it out, digital or analog, and turn to Exodus chapter 34. Again, we are in week five of our series in Exodus called The Call of Moses. Man, looking how God has been leading Moses to lead the people and what God has want to accomplish in and through the people. But all throughout this series, we've been asking this question. Come on, do you remember what the question is? Do you maybe even have it memorized yet? All throughout this series, we've been asking this question, look, if this eternal story is for God's glory, what does that mean for my life's story? Look, listen to me, church, as we go through this book of the Bible in Exodus, we see again and again that a story that God has been writing since the beginning, look, it is a story that is for his glory. Look, people have been trying to corrupt, to break or even stop this story from being written, but there is nothing that will stop what God wants to ultimately accomplish in the world. This story that he's been writing, look, it is for his glory, and it also shows us that despite our sin, despite even our setbacks personally, relationally, or even in our careers, or even spiritually, turning back to the Lord, yes, it may have some discipline in it, but because he loves us, there's always his mercy always his grace that's available for his people. Come on, even a setback can be a setup for God to outpour his grace and mercy and love in your life. So now in week five of this series, I want to keep even challenging you, keep even promoting to you, keep even challenging that you would even think about that what Christ has to offer you is more than you can ever ask or think or imagine. So is your life story for God's glory? But here's the question I want to ask you this week, okay? Here's the question I want to ask you this week. Do you need a reset? Do you need a reset? Don't you wish sometimes that you could just hit the reset button on some season of your life? Man, some of you guys may say, you know, it's not even just a reset for, man, a moment or a season I'm in right now. Could I, could I hit that reset button back for the past five years or ten years? Maybe, do, maybe I even need to hit the reset button on the whole thing. Come on, have you ever wanted to hit the reset button on maybe a season or even a moment in your life? 
Now, let me ask a question this way, okay? Have, how many of you guys in here have ever played video games before you played video games at some point in your life? Don't be ashamed, okay? You can admit it, okay? Pastor Brian, did they have video games when you were a kid? No? Okay, I don't know. But um, here is a video game that I grew up with as a kid, okay? Here's a video game right here. Anybody know what that's called? Yeah. The Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES. You remember sometimes when the cartridge didn't work, you had to take it out, you had to go, and then your breath had magic in it that would make that thing work, you know what I'm talking about? Look, you people who play the newer video games, like, you have it so easy. Like, if you mess up or something in a game, like, you automatically respawn wherever you are, and you can just continue. But back then when I was a kid, when we hit that reset button, it would take us back to not just the beginning of a level, but sometimes even the beginning of the game. Look, if we died, there was no automatic respawning. We had to start the whole thing over. There was no continue back then. But wherever you are, okay, like whether, whether maybe you need a little reset or maybe you want a big reset, whatever the case is, don't you still want to make progress? And I think it's the same thing with our walk with the Lord. Sometimes we do need some renewal. Sometimes we do need a reset. But no matter how big or small that reset is, man, the Lord wants us to make progress. Today we're going to see in this next section of the Bible, this next section that we're in, that the people, again, they needed some renewal to come back into their lives. They needed some renewal to come, and the Lord would bring that renewal, even though they were in great mourning over their sinful mistake that they made. They were in such great trouble that it even cost the lives of some other people, and it caused the discipline of the Lord to come on them, But again and again, it is the Lord who brings the reset. And today we're going to see that in any season, church, in any season, look, renewal is possible. But look, our responses are critical. Church, we don't stay where we are. Come on, when Jesus really said in John chapter 10, verse 10, it wasn't just some cliche statement. When he says that I've come to give them life and even give them life to the full. Real life is found in Christ. And today we're going to start in verse 12. We're actually going to read the first 12 verses of Exodus chapter 34. And then I want to share with you how it is that God renews the covenant with his people again. But also we're going to look at the new covenant, also known as the New Testament, and see what it means for us today. So are you ready to get into God's word today? Look, if you're ready, shout amen. Exodus chapter 34, starting in verse 1, and listen to what the word of God says. The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets, I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first. And he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of Of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, 
a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and their children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly, church, he quickly bowed his head toward the earth and he worshiped. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. And the Lord said, behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. And behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But listen to this. Take care. Take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us what we need today. God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord God, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, don't keep us where we are. Lord, take us to where we need to be. Lord, bring renewal to us again. God, we're the ones who mess up. God, we're the ones who step back. We're the ones who sin against you. But God, what we need is you again. God, we want to continue with you. Lord, your word even says that anyone, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So today, would you bring your new? God, help us to take off the old and help us to put on the new that is in Christ. In your name, amen. Hey, today we're gonna see this next chapter of Exodus that God would indeed renew his promise, his pledge, his covenant again with the people. He would do that again with them. But we're also gonna see how it is that God leads his people to take this next step and to actually make progress to not stay where they are. So the first way we see this is number one, write this down, church. We see that God renews even though it, this covenant, was broken by us. God renews, even though the covenant was actually broken by the people, it is the Lord who still brings renewal. Listen to what it says here again in verse 1. The Lord says to Moses, he says, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. Now, pause right there for a moment as you're looking back over verse 1. I know, I know sometimes, like how many of you guys have ever seen a movie with the Ten Commandments or you've seen the Ten Commandments maybe posted somewhere on a building in artwork, anything like that? Raise your hand if you've seen that before. Um, I know a lot of times when you see it, you'll see two tablets, right? And you'll see like the first five on the first tablet and the next five on the next tablet. And a lot of times like people have read that and they've kind of perceived it that way. But 
when the Lord told Moses to get two tablets, and when he had two tablets before, what it was, the same thing were actually written on both tablets. There was one copy that was for the giver of the covenant and another copy for the receiver of the covenant. So two copies said the same thing, and it's really saying, look, we're both in agreement. We're agreeing to the exact same thing on both sides of this covenant. So it wasn't like two separate things. It was one copy like God was saying, look, I'm giving you this because I'm proclaiming this. And it's like the people are receiving this. So it's like one copy represents that God initiated a covenant. And the other one is that the people are saying, hey, we're receiving the covenant. So the Lord says to Moses, he says, go cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. And I will write on the tablet the words that were on the first tablets. And listen to this. He says to Moses, he says, what you broke. And by the way, be ready by the morning and come up to the mountain, Mount Sinai, with me. Come on, do you remember back in chapter 32, verse 19? Do you remember when the people made the golden calf? And then Moses came down, and in anger he broke the tablets. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 19, it says, As soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hands, and he broke them at the foot of the mountain. Hey, side note, okay. Be careful how you respond in your anger. Moses broke the tablets in his anger, but it was the people who broke the covenant. Look, I love how in this section right here, I love how the Lord is moving toward reconciliation with his people, even though God himself did nothing wrong in this whole situation. And here he's still giving guidance and he's still giving direction. But I love how the Lord actually invites Moses to participate in this reconciliation. But also there is this sense of urgency. He says, look, you broke it. And think about this. Moses had to go chisel out from stone two new tablets. And God said, look, you broke it. You got to go chisel out this stone. And by the way, the next morning, you better make sure that you're right here. Like there's a sense of urgency in this that when, when God calls you to do something, when God calls you to take a step, when there even is broken fellowship, there's a sense of urgency that we need to have that, look, we need to move back to the Lord as quickly as possible. And you could even look at this passage here and think, man, maybe the Lord's being a bit harsh with Moses by making him do this and chisel out two stone tablets and bringing them up in the next morning. You could say, look, God is being a bit harsh with him. Or you can actually look at this in a way to see that, yes, Moses broke it in his anger. It was the people that broke the covenant. And you can look at this as saying, look, God has no, God did not do anything wrong. God even has no reason why he should even renew this covenant. But he's looking at the people. And because of his loving kindness, he's choosing to bring renewal, even though they were the ones who broke it. Man, this is actually an incredible picture of the grace and the mercy that comes from our heavenly father. Church, even though the breaking of fellowship with God is our fault, God still wants to renew that relationship with us time and time again. This wasn't the first time that they broke the covenant or broke fellowship with the Lord, but always the Lord says, look, I wanna renew it. Even though you broke it, I wanna bring renewal back to you. I love what Pastor Andrew Oates said a couple of weeks ago when he was here. He says, look, God, never gets tired of his people calling to him for help. And he never gets tired of you calling to him for help. 
In fact, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, we see this same idea repeated so many times. In James chapter 4, verse 8, James would write, look, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Then he says this, he says, look, you need to cleanse your hands. You don't have to chisel out two stone tablets, but you do need to repent to draw near to the Lord. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's the way you draw near to God, and he draws near to you. The invitation is for renewal in the Lord. And in 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, look, John writes this. He says, this is a message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, which means that in the Lord there is no sin in him, no darkness in him. There's never any brokenness in the Lord. There is nothing broken in him. He says, in him there is no darkness at all. But he says, if we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not participate in the truth. But here comes the renewal, the invitation to return to the Lord. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, look, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, church, every time, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look, when it's our fault that the fellowship with the Lord is broken, that our covenant with the Lord was broken because of our sin, Lord, the invitation is that God invites us back to him again and again and again. Look, he doesn't need us but he wants us to return to him again and again and again, every single time. Look, God said to Moses, you broke it in your anger. It is the people who broke the covenant in their sin, but get back up here in the morning. Don't wait any longer. It's time to move forward in him. But the Lord shows Moses here, and eventually the people, and even us 3,500 years later after this was written, he also shows us this. Number two, write this down. Yes, he's going to renew the covenant again, but we see here that God renews, but he doesn't change. Look, God brings renewal, but he's not the one who's changed. He's still the same as he was before. So Moses chisels out these two stone tablets. He brings them up to Mount Sinai to meet with the Lord. And as a covenant is being renewed, man, God starts proclaiming some things in front of Moses. And listen to what the Lord says as, he's, as, he, as he declares what he's already said before. But as a covenant is being renewed, listen to what the Lord proclaims in front of Moses in verse 6. It says, the Lord passed before Moses, passed before him and proclaimed. He said, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. And in verse 10, the Lord says, and, and he, he said, the Lord said, behold, I make a covenant with you. I'm making this covenant. I'm renewing the covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as you have not, so such, as, such have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, 
for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. And in verse 14, he says this. He says, for you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Look, God renews the covenant, but he doesn't change. Church, have you ever noticed that things are changing all around you all the time? Um, my oldest daughter just turned 13 years old. Don't woo for that, okay? Here's a picture of her when she was about two or three years old. Here's Micaiah. I think we were still counting in months then, like 28 months or something like that is her age right there, okay? And then here's a picture on her 13th birthday right there, okay? I texted someone in my small group, and I said, um, hey, pray for us, okay? We're about to have a teenager in the house. And then, again, I love our small group people. They replied back to me and pretty much said, hey, get over it, okay? Be pro-teenager, okay? And I said, look, look, I am, okay? In fact, we are pro-teenager in this church. We are. In fact, if you're a teenager in this room, I want you to know that, look, the vision and even the vision within the vision of our church that we would develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ who are multi-ethnic and multi-generational. Look, if you're a teenager, if you're in Christ, you're not the church of tomorrow, you're the church of today. And we want you to connect, grow, serve, and multiply. So no matter what it is the world throws at you, man, you have a sure identity in Christ. That no matter what comes across your way, like you have a sure foundation that cannot be taken away. You keep turning back to and finding this renewal and hope in Christ. It's why we have a student ministry that meets at 5 p.m. It's why you see teenagers leading worship up here on Sunday mornings because we want to be pro-teenager. We are for you right now. And so I told him, okay, I said, I said look, I, I am, I'm pro-teenager. Look, I, and I get it. I love the young lady she's becoming, and I love how, man, she's already leaning into her relationship with Christ. But this change that is happening in her, this new season, what it means is that at some point, look, there's going to come a boy. I know it, okay? There's going to come a boy, she's going to get married, she's going to move out, I'm going to get bifocals, and then I'm going to die. And that's it. Life is over. Like, this change just means that there's more change coming. Again, have you ever noticed that there's change happening in you and around you all the time? But isn't it good to know that you have one person, one thing, that never changes. Again, the people were the ones who turned away from the Lord. They're the ones who made a wrong change. But the Lord never changed. And as he's renewing the covenant, he's reminding them that he is this steadfast, consistent, constant that will always be. Man, when you come back to him, you're going to get the same thing. And listen to these things that he declares before them. He says, look, the Lord, the Lord. And pretty much what that means is that he is a covenant-keeping God. He keeps his promises. Church, you may remember that. Look, when one of the things that our English translators of the Bible, what they do to help us to see what's happening here in the Hebrew is that when you see the Lord and that word is in all caps, it's when God is using his covenant name in the Old Testament. That means Yahweh, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. And you may even remember too, when the Bible layers something, and repeat something, it's saying, look, don't miss this. This is so important. And as God renews the covenant, 
He's reminding him, look, this is the same God who's made these promises to you before. I'm going to keep my promises. I'm not the one who changed. I am the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the covenant keeping God. Look, it says that he says that I am merciful and gracious. Look, we, that means that we don't get what we deserve. In fact, oftentimes we actually get what we don't deserve because of the incredible grace and mercy that God gives us. It says that he is slow to anger. The Lord says as he's renewing the covenant, look, I'm slow to anger. Have you ever thought about how patient the Lord is with you? How with any of us, I mean, he could take us out right now, <laughs> but how patient is the Lord with us? I mean, the Lord says, I'm full of steadfast love. Now, in the original language here, there's this word that's used to represent the steadfast love of God. And it's, a, it's this Hebrew word that's called hesed. And in fact, let's all say that together. Okay, you got to hit the tongue, your tongue at the top of your mouth. Let's all say it again on the count of three. One, two, three. Hesed. All right, some of you guys spit on each other. But um, this is what that word means. Because it's one of those words that we can't fully translate it in our English language. But this Hebrew word is this layered word talking about this God love. The love of God. And it means this loyal kindness, faithful, steady, consistent type of love. Again, it's the type of love that says that I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. It's the type of love that says, look, even if you're the one that breaks things, even if, the one, even if you're the one that moves away, I still love you. I'm even going to chase after you. It is this loyal, faithful, loving kindness type of love. And as the Lord renews the covenant, man, he's saying, look, that is the type of love that is all, that is the type of love that is in me. That is the type of love that I am. That's the type of love that he wants to give to his people. But he also says that he is forgiving and just. He is the God that, yes, he is the God full of love. But church, he's also the God full of justice. Look, for the repentant, he will forgive you every time. Every single time. But for the unrepentant, he faced God's wrath and justice, but he's consistent in that, the God of love and of justice. But then he says this. He says, I am the God who is jealous. Now, sometimes when people have heard that God is jealous, in fact, um, Oprah Winfrey, famed talk show host, um, once said that she heard that God was jealous, and she said, I could never, ever, ever trust or follow a God if he's jealous for his own things. And I think Oprah Winfrey, just like sometimes we do, we get the human definition of jealousy and the God definition of jealousy twisted. Look, here's the human definition of jealousy. It's when, when there's feelings of resentment because of another's success, because of their advantages, because they are characterized by or proceeding from the suspicious fears of envious resentment. And jealousy is often wrapped up in our own insecurities. When we look at social media and we see someone else's highlight reel, instead of looking to what is real, like we can experience this jealousy is wrapped up in our own insecurities. But look at what the Lord's jealousy looks like. Kirk Wellam, who's a theologian and Bible teacher, says this. He says, the jealousy of God is his holy commitment to his honor his glory, and the love that actually manifests itself in the salvation of his people and the just condemnation of all who would stand in opposition to him. 
Church, God is jealous for his glory. He is jealous for his glory, but even though he does that, it is a good thing for us because it turns into this outflowing of salvation for anyone who will repent and follow the Lord and believe in him. Look, God is jealous for his glory. And again, do you remember the question I keep asking you all throughout this series? If this eternal story is for God's glory, what does that mean for my life story? And yes, it does mean that, that God is committed that he is constant. It does mean that when it comes to you, that God is for you, that he's not against you. It is true that he does forgive you. And it is true that every single time he meets you with grace and mercy and love, which is good news for this sinner, that as I mess up and sin against the Lord again and again and again, there is this deep well of love and mercy that never runs out that can always, always, always go back to you. Look, it does mean all these things, but it also means that when it comes to our relationship with him, that when when renewal comes, it means that he hasn't changed, but it means that he is still for his glory. And last thing I want to show you today, okay? God renews the covenant with his people again, but it means that, yes, he renews, but it means that it should change us. Look, as God renews, it should actually bring change into your life. It should actually produce progress. I'm going to read the rest of the passage here, starting in verse 8, and skip down to some verses. And as we do that, I want to share with you a couple of the ways that we see change comes as God brings renewal. In verse 8, it says that Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth, and he worshiped. Again, he has this encounter with the Lord. God makes all these declarations in front of Moses. I am the Lord, the Lord, the one who never changes. I'm the one full of forgiveness and justice and love, this steadfast, loving kindness toward my people. It is who I am. And when Moses heard these things, it says that he quickly bowed his head toward the earth and he worshiped. Church, you remember how we talked about how there's a couple ways that the word worship is used in Exodus. And one of those ways is that you literally bow down your life. Like it means to bow down your life means to bring worship to the Lord. And here we see Moses as he hears who God is. It produces this sense of urgency in him where it says that he quickly, literally bowed down, posture before the Lord. But it also means that he's saying, look, God, everything in my life, okay, I want to submit to you again. And there should be this sense of urgency when we hear what God has declared in his word. He's calling us to do what he's challenging us to do, that we will respond in the same way. And in verse 11, the Lord says, look, observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And he says, take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go. Lest it become a snare in your midst. And he says, you shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you, lost my place here, verse 15. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of their daughters for your sons 
and their daughters who whore after their gods and make your sons whore after their gods. I bet you never thought you would hear that word that many times here in church on a Sunday morning. But again, the Lord uses strong language here. And what he's saying is, look, I'm renewing this covenant again with you. And what it should produce in you is a change where you're not desiring the things of the world, where you're not desiring what the other nations have, but you're desiring this one thing above all, that you would worship the one and only God. He's calling them and reminding them, look, this should produce a change in you where you are, yes, in the world, but you're not of the world. Church, is one of the reasons why so many times we'll say around here, look, we will choose Christ above culture. If the Lord has said it, we're going to submit to it. It's why the Apostle Paul would even write in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we do not conform to this world, but instead we are transformed by the renewal of our mind. And right before then in verse 1, he says, look, this is your act of worship, that you would be a living sacrifice. Man, as the Lord renews, it should produce this change in us that we are hating sin more and more, and we are loving the things of God more and more. Listen to what he says here in verse 29. It says, when Moses, after he had this encounter with God, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come near him, but Moses called to them, And Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Moses had this encounter with the Lord, church, and it literally produced a change in him as God renews the covenant. But it wasn't even just like an internal change. It was even evident on the outside. In fact, listen to how the Apostle Paul would interpret this story 1,500 years later in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 11. The Apostle Paul would say, look, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. So what Paul is saying here is that as great as this encounter and this renewal of the covenant that God was doing with the people, something so much better was going to come in Christ. He says, since we have a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one, oh, this is so good, church. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now this Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what, church? Oh, you guys said it like you don't believe it. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is? You still don't believe it. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one 
degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. How do you see it when you're in Christ? It is one degree of glory to another. Little by little, God is changing you and conforming you into the image of his son. Man, we have this hope that does not fail and never ends because of Christ. And if you are in Christ, this means that, yes, you may not be where you want to be, but praise God, you're not where you used to be. As you return to Christ again and again and again, you are met with this consistent renewal from the God who never changes. Look, as our worship team goes ahead and makes their way back up to the stage, I wanted to, you guys know I love to ask you questions. So I wanted to end today with a couple questions, okay, to see what this renewal in Christ would bring. And these are some questions I want to challenge you to ask at home this week. And these come from um, author and theologian, Dr. Wayne Grudem. And he says this, like when you're thinking about this renewal that God constantly wants to bring to you, here are three questions I want to challenge you to ask yourself at home this week. The first is, do I have a present trust in Christ for salvation? Come on, do you know that the only way that you're actually saved is through Christ? Have you believed the gospel that Jesus is God? He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He bodily rose from the dead, conquering sin and death and the grave. That if you repent of that sin and believe this good news of Jesus, that you will be saved. Again, when Jesus said in John chapter 14 that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, it wasn't just some cliche statement. He was making it crystal clear that real forgiveness, real hope for eternity, it doesn't come from being dedicated as a kid. It doesn't even come from going through some type of confirmation class. Real salvation only comes through one way, and that is knowing the Lord Jesus, repenting of your sin, and believing the gospel. Come on, do you have a relationship with Jesus? The second question he says to ask is, look, is there evidence of a regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in your heart? Come on, have you seen any evidence since that moment, that time, that day that you've trusted in Jesus? Do you see that the Holy Spirit is regenerating you? That again, you're hating the things of sin more and more. You're loving the things of God more and more. Have you seen a regenerating work happening in your heart, in your life? And then this question, number three, okay, do I see a long-term pattern of growth in my Christian life? Come on, do you see the fruit of the Spirit growing in you? The love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control. And I always seem to miss one when I go through the list. But do you see the, which one? Patience. Patience. (laughs) Yeah, of course, I missed that one. But do you see those things growing in your life over time? Because I would say to you, if you say no to number three, if you even say no to number two, you need to go back to number one. And today's the day to repent of your sin and turn to Christ and trust him as Lord. But if you've done that and you say, look, man, right now I'm stuck at number three, Maybe even stuck at number two. Like, I, I know I've trusted in Jesus, but right now I'm just, I'm just feel stuck where I am. Renewal is possible, but your response is critical. And the Lord wants you to make progress. Don't 
wait another minute. You don't have to chisel out two stone tablets, but right now, would you return back to the Lord? Man, would you take the steps that he wants you to, trusting him and his words, seeking him, following him, connect, growing, serving, multiplying. Would you turn to the Lord right now? Let me pray for you, church. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for how good it is in every season. And God, I thank you that. God, I know, Lord, we're the ones who sin against you. God, you never do anything wrong. God, you never break the covenant. Lord, it's us. So many times, Lord, our hearts are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. God, I feel it even now, God, my heart is prone to wander. But Lord, just like that old song says, God, I, I give it to you, God. Lord, take and seal it. God, would you seal it for your courts above? God, would you renew my heart for you again? And God, I pray that for our church. God, I pray that the people in here have trusted in you. God, they're even in a wandering season. Lord, would they return to you? And Lord, I pray that we would see, Lord, that you never change. God, you are the Lord who is faithful and full of steadfast love, the covenant-keeping God who has written love and justice and who is jealous and even jealous for us. God, help us remember that that deep well, love and mercy and grace, it never runs out. Help us, Lord, not to believe the lie. That even though we've sinned again, we've messed up again, we can't return to you because the invitation is open for us to come to you right now, any moment, even to hurry up and get up here quickly and to return to you. But Lord, you don't wanna keep us the same. Even when you hit the reset, God, there's progress that you want to do in us. And I pray, God, for the person in here who needs to make progress today, God, that they would take steps forward, even if it's little by little, even if it's just grace, one moment after another, God, I pray they would grow in you. And God, would you do what only you could do, Lord? We love you. We trust you. In Christ's name, amen.